Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. My name is Pastor David, and I'm the youth pastor here at City Life Church, along with my beautiful wife, Erin, who's holding our brand new baby, Rachel. Love you, babe. You're amazing. (laughs) Trying to get my brownie points, you know what I mean? And uh, we just want to say welcome. Thank you for choosing to worship with us here at City Life Church. God is doing something amazing in our church community. And uh, it's it's just really fun to see and be a part of everything that he is doing. Uh, Our lead pastors, Pastor John John and Pastor Elena, they're out of town. They're ministering in a different church. And uh, today I have the privilege of sharing the word with you. And uh, What's fun about today is that we're not starting a brand new series. Uh, we're going to start one in about two weeks. So PJ was like, hey, preach on whatever you want. And I was like, watch out now, bro. Like, you're going to give me that freedom? All right, I'm going to take it. So today we're going to have fun. And uh, uh, I just want to warn you, though, ahead of time, I am the Latino pastor here at City Life Church. All right, I wasn't born or raised here in the United States. I'm actually from Brazil. Any Brazilians in the house today? All right, some people are lying. I saw some hands there like, bro, you're Dominican, bro. I know you're lying. <laughs> I'm not calling you out by name, Ricky. Just kidding. Uh, so when, when I moved to the U.S., uh, uh, the school system in Florida, God bless them, they put me in a, in a class called ESL, which means English as a Second Language. And everybody around me spoke Spanish. So before learning English, I actually learned Spanish. And after that, I learned English. So this morning, I need you to preach with me. And I need you to, at times, correct my English. Is that okay? All right? You have permission to preach with the preacher. And sometimes I'm asking you, like, how how do you pronounce this word? And we're going to have fun together in church. Can I get an amen? All right, so I know we got to wear masks and stuff, but engage with me, all right, preach with me. And today, the, the title of my, mes- my message is called Disrupt the Status Quo. Disrupt the Status Quo. And uh, with our youth uh, group, we've been studying the life of Jesus. We've been doing a series called The Life of Jesus with our young people. And uh, so the Gospels has been something I've been studying a lot uh, for the last couple of weeks, and today we're going to uh, be studying John chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me with John uh, chapter 5 on your phones. By the way, if you want all of my notes, just text CLC notes to the number 97,000. All of our notes are going to pop right in your cell phone. That way you can know where we're going with this. So John chapter 5. And let me give you a little context before we read this. Uh, Uh, Jesus is just coming back from uh, 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 Galilee, back to Jerusalem, because they are about to celebrate one of the Jewish holidays. Now, we don't know exactly which one, but the big ones, the the three big ones were the Passover, the Pentecost, and the Tabernacles, where, where all the men were required to come to Jerusalem to celebrate that. So as Jesus comes back to Jerusalem, he's hanging out at this place uh, by the Sheep Gate. Jerusalem had, obviously, was surrounded by, by walls, and 
each wall had a, a certain gate, a specific gate. And in that gate, it was kind of famous because there was kind of like this pool of water where every now and then uh, an angel would stir it up and the first one to jump in would get healed. So that, this is the area where a lot of sick people would hang out at. And there was a guy that was sick for 38 years. Now, Jesus is there and it's the Sabbath. And according to the Jewish tradition, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But, uh, you know, Jesus, he's always about to disrupt the status quo. Uh, he loves getting on the nerves of the religious people. And he, what he does is he starts engaging with this guy that was sick for 38 years and he heals him. He heals him. He tells this guy that couldn't walk, hey, get up, pick up your mat, you're healed. This guy does what Jesus told him. He's miraculously healed, and he's walking around town, and he goes into the temple. Uh, the religious leaders see him uh, walking with his sleeping mat, and they're like, yo, 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 what are you doing? It's, it's, it's Saturday, bro. It's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to be working. Who did, who did this to you? Like, why, why are you working? He's like, hey, I just got healed, all right? The person that healed me, I don't know who they are. But they told me to pick up my mat and walk, so I'm doing what they told me. I mean, I, I couldn't walk, so I'm going to listen to the guy. And the Jewish leaders were, were ticked by that, and they're like, what? Like, um, who, who healed you? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. And the Bible tells us that later on at the temple, Jesus shows up to him, and he says, now that you are well, stop sinning. Literally, that's what Jesus tells him. And this guy has the audacity to go to the Jewish leaders and snitch on Jesus after he couldn't walk for 38 years. And this is where we're going to pick up. The Jewish leaders come to confront Jesus. So we're going to start today on verse 16. I'm going to be reading from the NLT version, uh, John chapter 5. Are you guys ready? Thank you. Thank you, Becky. All right, here we go. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the hard to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I'll tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then he would truly be astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives lives to anyone he wants. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son is certainly not honoring the father who sent him. I'll tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life and i assure you that the time is coming indeed it's here now when the dad will hear my voice the voice of the son of god and those who listen will live the father has life in himself and he has granted that same life-giving power to his son he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the son of man 
Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son. They will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience experience eternal life and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment i can do nothing on my own i judge as god tells me therefore my judgment is just because i carry out the will of the one who sent me not my own will come on let's pray and invite the holy spirit to open our minds and our understanding today father we thank you so much for for your word thank you lord that your word challenges us it teaches us it corrects us lord i just pray as we study it today this morning lord that you will open our minds that you will open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us lord i just pray that you speak to us lord that you find us exactly where we are and that you speak to us lord because we are hungry for more of you god we thank you so much for everything that you're about to do in jesus name and everybody said amen amen, amen. I don't know about you, but uh, when I read the Gospels, I, I see that Jesus had a sense of humor. Jesus was extremely intelligent. Obviously, he, he was the Son of God, and, and, and he, he was powerful. He, he was one with the Father. And, but I also see that he was very strategic on the things he did, when he did it, and how he said things. When I read this story, I can't, I can't help myself but just laugh a little bit because I bet 100% that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he healed that man on the Sabbath. Like I said before, Jesus loves to tick off religious people. Because for Jesus, it's not about just keeping a set of rules. It's about actually having a relationship with our God. So if you're in church today, maybe it's the first time or maybe you're new to this Christianity thing, perhaps a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that you have heard before is like, man, to be a Christian means to follow a bunch of rules. And if you think that way, I think you're missing the heart behind it all. To be a Christian means to be one with Jesus. And Jesus always likes to confront the religious people of his time. He loves to disrupt the status quo. The status quo. So Jesus heals this guy on the Sabbath. And, 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 and first, the, the, the religious leaders, they have a problem with that. They have a problem with that. If you study the life of Jesus, he was constantly disrupting things. Uh, if he came up to a funeral, he will heal the person that had just passed away. The Bible tells us that uh, with his friend Lazarus. And then there's a young boy that, that also passed away. He would disrupt the funeral. If you, if you look at the life of Jesus, he, he disrupted uh, this, this uh, racist spirit that was over the, the nation of Israel where he would go into Samaria, Samaria and he would talk to Samaritan women. Jesus was always disrupting whatever the, the mindset that society had for that time. That's what he does. He breaks the status quo. And in this story right here, we see a disruption. By the way, Jesus, wherever he goes, there is a disruption because whenever a new kingdom is being established, there is some kind of disruption. And Jesus, what he's doing is he's bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. He's bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And when you do that, there will be some kind of disruption. 
I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a place where uh, you speak out uh, God's truth and there's some resistance? There's some pushback, like, oh, we don't want this here, or oh, don't, don't go there, don't talk about that, or no, this is just how things are supposed to be. Don't try to change anything. The matter of fact is this, we as the dis disciples of Jesus, we are called to be agents of change. It's impossible for you to, to, to follow Jesus and for you to settle with the status quo. It's impossible. So as, as Jesus is doing this, the question that comes into my mind is this. How did Jesus have the boldness and the authority to disrupt the status quo? The boldness and the authority. Because I don't know about you, a lot of times, even though I know that Christ is living in me, I get a little intimidated depending on the place that I'm at. I get a little intimidating depending on the circumstances or who the crowd is. How did Jesus live this life where he didn't care what the Jewish leaders were going to say about him? He had a boldness and a confidence. How can we imitate his example? And today we're going to talk about this. How do we imitate the example of Jesus? So this is the big idea for today. Jesus was able to disrupt the status quo because he was secure in his identity. He was focused on his assignment and he was confident in his backup. Let me say that one more time. Jesus was able to disrupt the status quo because he was secure in his identity. He was focused in his assignment and he was confident in his backup. So let's start with secure in his identity. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew who he was. He was the son of God. He says, he makes the statement right here. My father is always working and so am I. Now this, this statement right here changes the whole perspective of the Jewish leaders about Jesus. Because at that moment, up to that moment, they are annoyed. They came to harass and persecute him because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. So Jesus got on their nerves. They were annoyed. They came to confront him. But the moment that Jesus says, I am the son of the father, at that moment, things changed for Jesus because from that moment on, he had a target on his back. From that moment on, the Jewish leaders were like, all right, that's enough. We heard enough. We heard some stories about this guy. Maybe he was a prophet. Maybe he was a good teacher. He's healing some people. But now he is saying that he's the son of God. That's it. We need to take him out. And if you read in the story in, the, in chapter 5, it says, from that moment on, they started plotting on how to kill Jesus because he knew who he was in his identity. He was the son of God. Jesus starts confronting them and says, hey, I'm just working. I'm doing what God has called me to do. And the funny thing about this is that God established the Sabbath, but the religious people, they added a bunch of stuff to the Sabbath that wasn't in Scripture. Have you noticed that, that religious people are all, always adding things that are not even in the Bible? You can always smell them from far away. Jesus confronts them. Mark chapter 2 says this, the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. 
Jesus is basically saying like, hey, this is a day for us to rest, but we can still do good. All right, stop adding a bunch of, of, of stuff to it. So Jesus is here and, and, and he reveals his identity. Now here's the question that I wanna ask us today. How does this apply to us? Jesus revealing his identity. How does this apply to us? The enemy hates it when humans realize what their true identity is. The enemy hates it when we as humans finally realize what our true identity is. And better, better said than that, who our identity truly is. Because how many of you know that our identity is found in a person and his name is Jesus Christ? Come on, somebody. It's not the what, it's the who. Who is our identity found in? As I was telling you guys before, like, I, I, I'm not from here. I'm from Brazil, but my dad is American. My mom is Brazilian. So I grew up in Brazil, and half of my family is American. Half of my family is Brazilian. So even though we were in Brazil, a lot of, like, some of the American traditions, we, they tried to, to do it there. Like, we would celebrate Thanksgiving and stuff like that. And uh, I remember my dad always trying to teach my sister and I English, and I was like, nah, dad, like, I'm never going to use that in my life. Like, stop it. I don't want to learn English. Nobody speaks that here. And, and, and it's so cool because now I, I'm, I am what they call a dual citizen. So I literally have two passports. I have a Brazilian passport. I have an American passport. And according to the government, that is my identity. Whenever I need to identify myself to anywhere I go, they always ask you for your ID, right? Where is your ID? Where is your identification? But the reality is, even though here on earth, yes, that is my identification, my true identity is not based on where I was born, how I was raised, what my ethnicity is, even though that is very important and is part of who I am, but my true identity first comes from Jesus. I need to remind somebody today that your identity is not based upon your past. Your identity is not based upon your mistakes. Your identity is not, about, is not based upon your intellect, about your, your, your social status, about how mon much money you have in the bank, how great your family looks. Your identity has to be based solely upon the person of Jesus. Can I get an amen today? So we see this as soon as Jesus says who he is, I am the son of God. I can only do what I see the Father doing. The religious leaders, they were mad. They were mad. They were really mad. The enemy hates it when we finally realize what our identity truly is. What our identity truly is. In this area right here of your identity, I see it so strongly in our youth, but I still believe it applies to us adults. Your identity in Christ will be the number one thing that will be attacked by the enemy. Your identity in Christ will be the number one thing that will be attacked by the enemy. The, the enemy loves to bring our identity into question. Are you really a Christian? Are you really saved? Are you really free? What about this? What about that? How come your life 
It's not matching with the Bible. And the, the enemy loves to bring questions into your identity. Because if he can make you question your identity in Jesus, he can derail your assignment and make you doubt who your backup is. Your identity. Your identity is the number one thing that will be attacked by the enemy. So we see here in Jesus, he is secure. He is confident in his identity. He knows who he is. He knows who he is. Some people live their whole lives unfulfilled and empty because they try to find their identity from other people or other things. But not Jesus. Jesus knew who he, he was. Verse 25, he says, I'm the son of God. Verse 27, he says, I'm the son of man. Jesus being 100% God, 100% man, knew that his identity was in the Father. His divinity and humanity wasn't in question in his mind. He knew exactly who he was, and he was ready to let people know a new kingdom is coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. I love this statement. The son can do nothing, nothing by himself. Let's go to point number two. He was focused on his assignment. Number one, you got to know who you are in Christ. Number one, you got to know that you are a son and a daughter of Christ. If you believe in Jesus, you get his last name, period. Number two, there is an assignment. Jesus was focused on his assignment. Watch what he says, verse 24. I'll tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God, who send me have eternal life, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Jesus' assignment was to deliver the message of the kingdom of God. He brings the message of salvation. He gives life to those who believe in him, and he also has the absolute authority to judge. Jesus has the authority to judge. Not the enemy, not other people, Jesus. Jesus has the authority. Watch this. Jesus is so focused on his assignment, and yet he remains dependent on the Father. Because this is what happens. Once you have your identity in Christ, your assignment comes from your identity. So your identity and your assignment are interconnected. Whatever it is that God calls you to do comes from a place of identity first. So Jesus is focused on his assignment, and yet he still submits himself to the Father. Watch this. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Here's my question for you. What do you see the Father doing right now in your life? What is God doing right now in your life? What is the assignment that God has given you right now? What is that assignment? We all have the overall assignment of building the kingdom of God, but we also have specific assignments. Some of you are teachers. You have a specific assignment at the school that you work at. Some of you, you are in the business, in the marketplace. You have a specific assignment there. Some of you are nurses. You have a specific assignment there. Are you building the kingdom of God wherever you are? What is the Father doing? What do you see him doing? 
And a lot of times I ask myself that question when I'm discouraged about my assignment. Have you ever been in that place? When you're like, what the heck am I doing? Like, I have no idea. I know God called me to do this, and I know I was really pumped last week, but this week I'm super discouraged, and I want to quit, and I want to move to a, an island. I, 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 I'm tired of people. I just want to be by myself. And you get discouraged in the assignment. But then I have to ask myself, God, help me see what you're doing. Help me see what you're doing. This season of life is sucks. It makes no sense. What are you doing, though? So I can accomplish my assignment. Accomplishing the assignment that God has given us. How do we remain focused like Jesus? Where there's confrontation. There's hostility. People are trying to kill him. How did he remain focused? I'm going to give you three thoughts under this point. Number one, don't allow your assignment to become your identity. Should, should I say that again, Chelsea? All right, I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. Don't allow your assignment to become your identity. Your assignment comes from your identity, but your assignment is not your identity. The devil offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world when he went into the desert. Remember that? He was baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and then the Holy Spirit led him into the desert. The, 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 the Satan came and was like, hey, if you worship me, I'm going to give you all of this. Meaning, you don't even have to go through the cross. I mean, you're going to have everything. Jesus says, nah. It's going to be mine, but this is not how it's going to go. My assignment is not my identity. Number two, don't compare your assignment with others. Don't compare your assignment with others. God, how come they get to do this? How come everything looks right in their life? Their assignment is different than yours. Don't worry about that. As that little girl would say on the YouTube video, she told her that. Worry about yourself. Just worry about yourself. Do you need some help? No, just worry about yourself. That's what I need from you. Peter asked Jesus, after G, uh, Peter uh, denied Jesus three times, Jesus came back, cooked them breakfast, and then he was having like a little talk with, with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He's kind of reminding Peter of his assignment. Remember, I'm going to build my church with you. And then Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die. <laughs> Peter's like, all right, let's do it. You know, Peter is radical. And then Peter looks back and asks, what about John? How's he going to die? And Jesus says, what is that to you? Worry about yourself. All right? Don't compare your assignment with others. Number three, number three, how do you remain focused on your assignment? Spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, think about this. His moments before the crucifixion, the most painful death that we can experience. He is to the point of agony where he's sweating blood. And he's praying. Not even his disciples can keep up right now. They're asleep. He is praying and he's asking God, God, is there another way? Is there another way for this assignment to be done? He, he asked that. Is there another way? Nonetheless, let your will be done on my own. God said, no, this is your assignment. But it was in prayer that he regained his strength. And an angel came and helped Jesus give him some, some strength. But it's in prayer. So don't allow your assignment to become your identity. Don't compare your assignment with others and spend time in prayer. 
spend time in prayer. It is in a place of prayer that God reminds us of our identity and brings clarity to our assignment. Let me say that one more time. It is in the place of prayer that God reminds us of our identity and he brings clarity to our assignment. A lot of times we question ourselves. We do it all the time. Who am I again? Like, what am I supposed to do again? And it is in the time of prayer that God will bring that reminder. Number three, Jesus was confident in his backup. I love this. Jesus was secure in his identity. He was focused on his assignment and he was confident in his backup. John chapter 5 verses 31 through 43 says, if I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me. I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, I send you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist and his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need for human witnesses, but I say these things so you, you may be saved. John was like a burning shining lamp and you were excited for a while about his message but i have a greater witness than john my teachings and my miracles the father gave me these works to accomplish and they proved that they sent me and the father who sent me has testified about me himself you have never heard his voice of seeing him face to face and you did not have his message in your hearts because you not you do not believe in me the one who has sent you you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life but the scriptures point to me yet you refuse to come to me and receive this life your approval means nothing to me because i know i don't have i know you don't have god's love within you for i have come to you in my father's name and you have rejected me yet if others come in their own name you get gladly welcome them no wonder you can't believe for you gladly honor each other you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is god Jesus was secure in who he was. He was confident also in his backup. He knew that the prophets confirmed who he was. He knew that his teachings and his miracles confirmed who he was. He knew that the Father also had already confirmed who he was. And last but not least, he knew that all scripture pointed to him. Did you know that we have the same backup that Jesus had? Did you know that prophets have prophesied about what would happen in our day and age? Did you know that the testimony of the gospel would always back us up? The word will always back us up and God already has spoken over our lives. Are you confident though in the backup that we have? Whatever the father assigns you to do, he will give you the support to do it. He will give you the support. He will give you the support. Your life might be hell right now, but trust me, God is going to give you the support that you need. This is why you need to become a part of a church family. This is why you need to become a part of a group. This is why we need one another because we are part of the support for us to complete our assignment. You will never be able to accomplish your assignment by yourself. He will give you the support that you need we need each other we need each other i'll close out with this verse right here second kings chapter 6 verses 15 through 17. when the servant of the man of god got up and went out early the next morning an army with horses and chariots has surrounded the city 
Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Whenever you're surrounded, whenever you're, you're questioning if there is backup there, whenever you're questioning your assignment or your identity, go back to God and say, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes. I need to see what you're doing. I need to see that you got my back. I need to see that you are going to give me support to do whatever it is that you have called me to do. God, open my eyes because I, I need a reminder of who I am. And he will do that. Encouragement out of nothing. Faith out of nothing. Peace. In the worst scenario of your life, you have supernatural peace. Why? Because it's coming from heaven, not from earth. It's coming from heaven not from earth. If you're going to interrupt the status quo, you have to be able to see what the Father is doing. You have to be able to see what the Father is doing. He will reveal your identity. He'll make you focus on your assignment and confident in your, in your backup. Can I get an amen? amen? Today, I want to pray for you. Maybe you came to church for the first time or maybe you're discouraged a little bit. Maybe you've been walking away far from God. I want to pray with you. I want to give you an opportunity to come home. We're called to live a life with Jesus. We're called to live for Jesus. Our identity is in Christ. Anything else is just cheap. Anything else will disappoint you. So this morning, if you want to make that decision, I'm going to make a prayer. And I'm going to ask the church to repeat after me. But I believe that if you confess with your heart, with your mouth, and you believe in your heart, God is going to honor that prayer. And your life will never be the same again. Would you pray with me this morning? Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, today I choose to surrender. I'm tired of doing life on my own. I choose to give you control. I repent of my sins, and I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give a, a praise for the people that made that decision for the first time? Amen. I want to do one more prayer, if you don't mind. I believe there's people here that maybe you've been in that season where you've been questioning your identity, you've been questioning your assignment, and you've been questioning the support, the backup that God has available for you. I believe that God today is reminding some people of their identity reminding some people of who they are and what they're called to do. And I believe that some people are facing some hurts, some frustrations, but God wants to remind you today that he has your back. Right. He wants to remind you that he has your back. So Lord Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room that my, right now they're facing hell. Their heart is broken. They're discouraged. They're feeling alone. They're feeling empty. They want to give up. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you touch their hearts. Lord, that you remind them of who they really are. Lord, that they are not their identity, that they are not their past, that they are not their mistakes. God, I pray that you remind them again that their identity is found in you and you alone.
God, I pray for people that are frustrated or tired or stressed out. God, that they're losing hope in the middle of the assignment that you have called them to do. God, I pray for faith right now. God, I pray for confidence and boldness. God, I pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn again inside of their hearts, God. I pray, Lord, for, for a new, new joy to come upon them, God. Lord, I also pray for those, Lord, that are questioning your will, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will give them, God, a new anointing, God. Lord, a new vision, a new perspective. Lord, I pray for clarity right now. Open our eyes, God. Open our eyes to what you're doing, God. Open our eyes, God, on what you're doing with our family. Open our eyes, God, with, with what you're doing at our job, God. Open our eyes, God, with what you're doing in our hearts, in our lives, God. I pray for freedom in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 Come on. Can we make some noise to the Lord this morning? Thank you guys so much. I'm going to invite Pastor Isaac to close us out. Let's make some noise to Pastor Isaac.